Well, it's good to be here. It's good to even interrupt. Um, wow. Let's get to eat some candy while I'm doing this. Um, so, most of you uh, know me. A, a handful of you may not. And so, um, I'm Craig Wyckoff. I was here as associate pastor for a few years. I've spent a couple years in China. Back again. Long story. I'll not go into all of that. But it's a privilege to stand here once again and, um, and speak to you. And I'm going to ask that you are fairly involved. Okay? So, if you would take out I don't know, your iPhone that has your Bible on it, or your Bible, if you actually have an actual one, or uh, something like that, and we're going to look at the book of Colossians. Now, if you're ever looking for a book in the Bible that is so full-packed of significance in a really small package... This is the book for you. Um, There is so much here, and I wish we could dig into all of it, but I'm going to concentrate this morning on just a really small part. It's Paul's prayer for the believers in Colossae, found in chapter 1, and he starts starts it in verse 9. Goes through verse fourteen. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pick up verses in different places, and I'm gonna have you maybe even say back to me some things that those are saying. So keep it handy, all right? All right. So um, I've always loved this prayer because I think this is the core of what Paul wanted for these guys in Colossae, and it would be a great model of what we should pray for ourselves and for each other. And so let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. I think you guys are used to standing, so if you want to stand, stand while I read this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His people In the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God. You can be seated. Now, I don't know if you recognize it, it just, oh, yeah, yeah, you can have a seat. That's good. You don't have to stand the whole time, it's fine. I don't know if you recognize it, just the first quick glance that you had, but this prayer is really revolutionary. 
it is radically different from most of what we are taught to believe. How it is radically different is what I want to talk to you about this morning. Paul starts out with this phrase, we have not stopped praying for you, and he emphasizes it again when he says, continually, we continually do this. So that's where my questioning mind kicks in, and and I think if he has not stopped, apparently this is really important. So what is it that is so important that Paul continually prays about it? Well, so here's where my first I'm going to ask you to respond. What is the first thing that he asks for? Give you a second to look. Yes, that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will. Now, is that something our society continually seeks after? No. (laughs) I mean... If it's that important, it seems that we would talk about it more on a daily basis. I mean, when when is the last time you saw a news story on the tragedy of Americans not being filled with the knowledge of God's will? Uh, Not going to happen, right? If being filled with the knowledge of God's will is so important, where does this knowledge come from? And to give you a clue, you need to take a look back at the verse. Where does this... Knowledge come from that Paul thinks is so important. Yes. Was quiet but correct. The Spirit. The Spirit gives this knowledge. That right there is a revolutionary phrase, okay? Let me tell you why it's revolutionary. Because we are taught that we are the ones that make things happen. I get ahead, I am valued, and I make things happen by my own smarts, my own sweat, and my own stuff. That is the message that society communicates. Your smarts, your sweats, your your sweat, your stuff will get you ahead in our world and in what it values. And it really will. I mean, in our world and, and our society and how it's structured, that is how you get ahead, right? But the kingdom of God operates by a different set of values. And in order to live according to that set of values, you need to receive a gift. That is the Spirit of God. Now, I hope you're kind of not quite sure about all of this yet. Because I'm going to develop it more in a minute. And I don't want you all to jump on board just yet. Okay? So Paul continues his prayer in verse 10, and his next line is, so that. So we recognize when he says so that, he's getting to the purpose statement, right? This is what Paul wants for these people. This is what we assume God wants for these people. Here is the purpose or goal of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. So what is it? What's the first one? So that, yes, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And then the second thing, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So those of us who are followers of Christ, that should be the goal of our life. It should be the first thing we're aiming for. Please the Lord. 
and bear fruit in every good work. And how is it even possible to do this? I'll give you a hint. It's found in verse 11, if you, if you have a Bible in front of you. How is it possible that we even do this? Yes, His power, being strengthened with His power. If it is His glorious power with which we are strengthened, then it must mean something about how we do not do this. Right? You cannot accomplish this with your own smarts, with your own sweat, and your own stuff. It doesn't work. Everything that our society says is the way to get ahead doesn't work to get ahead in the kingdom of God. So to confirm that, let's take a step back to how we even come to this place. And for that, I'm going to look at verses 12 and 13. It says two important things about how we arrived here. How we even had the possibility of doing this. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So we've even been qualified. We're even qualified to do this because the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. And then the next verse says, for he has rescued us. We were in such trouble we needed to be rescued. All right, so our own smarts, our own sweat, and our own stuff, we had dug such a deep hole, we couldn't dig out with those things. So, it's a gift by the grace of God that you have been given freely. In fact, if you skip all the way to verse 21... Paul says, you were once so far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. You and I were enemies of God. As I already said, we were were in such a deep hole that our smarts, our sweat, and our stuff couldn't dig us out. So, what does all this mean for us? Well, I think it means two incredibly important things that we... I don't know if we get get it wrong all the time or if we just struggle to live this way. I'll leave that to you. Um, These two things, I think, are almost universally shunned by the way societies around the world look at things. But they should make a huge difference in how we face life and how we deal with other people. So here's the first revolutionary idea. And... I'm not sure you would have been ready for this at the beginning of my message today, and I hope you take it the right way. Um, I hope I've warmed, warmed you up to this idea. Are you ready? You are not amazing. I am not amazing. I'll include myself in that. Now, even though I I, I have explained myself a little bit, your first reaction to that might be, well, thanks for that. I'm glad I came to church today. Um, Welcome to Craig Wyckoff's self-esteem seminar. The first thing you need to know is you're not amazing. Um, Don't tune me out just yet. Let me explain. 
Our belief that we are amazing and that it is our amazingness that provides our value, or to say it another way, that our value is measured by our smarts, our sweat, and our stuff, is the source of all kinds of heartache, pain, and broken relationships. Not only that, but letting go of the need to be amazing can provide you with great freedom. Let me explain with a little test. So I'm going to give you five questions. You just think about this for yourself, okay? This is a test to see if you and I have a need to be amazing. You don't have to raise your hand if you agree. Just, and please, resist the urge to think about other people in your life and go, yeah, that's them. Do you ever try to make it appear that you are better than you are? Do you ever have a hard time admitting that you were wrong? Or the flip side of that, do you need to let people know that you were right in a particular situation? I mean, you just need to tell somebody, you know, those guys. This one is really subtle and sinister. I I see it often, partly because of the family I grew up in. My dad could never tell a story because if he got one little detail wrong, my mom would correct him right there in the middle of the story. It didn't even have to be an important detail. It, it wasn't even important to the story, but she had to be right. Number four, do you find yourself being critical of others either in your head or complaining to others about those who don't have the skill, smart, sweat, or stuff that you have. Number five, is asking someone for forgiveness difficult for you? Have you had enough yet? Okay, yeah. Um, If you answered yes to any of those questions, you may have a need to have others think you are amazing. And didn't we all answer yes to at least one of those? Okay, I have just one more. Why is it that the biblical command to confess our sins to one another is hardly ever practiced? I think it might just be that we have a need to appear amazing to others, and if we actually confessed sin, it would tarnish the veneer of our amazingness. The Christian message begins by admitting that not only are we not amazing, but that we are hopelessly broken without the grace of God. Our own righteousness, or said another way, our own smarts, our own sweat, and our stuff are just filthy rags. Society tells us that it's our smart sweat and stuff that makes us valuable, and so when those are in question, we go on the defensive and we enter into all kinds of behaviors that we think will protect our value. We, we, but in reality, those destroy relationships. Thankfully, that's not my only point today. The gospel can free us from all of that with the second most revolutionary truth. We are people of the gift. And this gift is the most important asset available. God doesn't evaluate based on our smarts and our sweat and our stuff. God has given us a gift, the grace of God 
through Jesus Christ and says, I love you. Chapter 2, verse 10 of Colossians says, In Christ you have been brought to fullness. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, When you were dead in your sins. You can't do anything with your smarts and your sweat and your stuff when you're dead. None of that stuff matters when you're dead. You were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Who did this? Who? God. That means who did not do this? We didn't do this. You and I, it wasn't our smarts and our sweat and our stuff. So we are not amazing, but we have been given an amazing gift. The power of Christ is what's amazing. And Paul says that the power of Christ is at work in you. Why would you want to base your life on your own amazingness when you can build your life on the all-sufficient Christ living in you? So what are some takeaways of all this? Why should you, how should you live this week if you really buy into this idea? First, since your value does not come from your own sweat, smarts, and stuff, but it comes from a gift you have received, you can be free to offer that same gift to others. You no longer have to judge others based on the level at which you think they have achieved amazingness. Paul says it this way in chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Okay, now, pause right here because there's two descriptive words that I want you to get a hold of. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You need to let that sink in a little bit. You are holy and dearly loved. Why? Because you were amazing? No. No. Because you have received an amazing gift. Okay, back to Paul's words. Since you are holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see why you would live this way with kindness, humility, gentleness when you understand that your value doesn't come from the fact that you are amazing and others don't need to live up to your standard, standard of amazing to receive this kind of treatment. Second thing to take away, grab hold of this gift for all it's worth. Can you believe it? The Christ, this Christ who is God, who in Colossians it says, through Him, in Him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, He is the one who holds it all together. This same Christ lives in you. How can trying to defend your own amazingness even matter after that? When you have received this gift freely, how can you not extend the same gift to others who fall short? My wife, Char, says about this passage, if you're not living dependent on on the power of God, you're not really living. I think, I think that's absolutely right. Because if, if we're living, trying to live according to our own amazingness to make it, that's like a 
30-watt bulb when you got this bright sunshine coming up behind you. Here are a few things to practice. This is, and, and I'll just say, this is, message has been rattling around in my head for a while, and I've been practicing. So these are the things that I have found helpful for me when I have that I am amazing thing rise up. Um, this week when you're at work or at the store or wherever you find yourself and you see someone who is obviously not as amazing as you are, as these thoughts are formulating and you know what happens there, Stop and say to yourself this simple phrase. I am not amazing, but I have received an amazing gift. When you find yourself feeling the need to defend yourself or tell your spouse how wrong they were and you were right, stop and say to yourself, I am not amazing, but I have received an amazing gift. If you don't need to protect your amazingness, why is it important to let everyone know how right we are? When you catch yourself either boasting about your smart sweat or stuff or criticizing someone else for lack of those things, stop and say to yourself, I am not amazing, but I have received an amazing gift. I, we need to practice, I think. All right, here we go. I am not amazing. But I have received an amazing gift. Here's what you will experience. Every time you extend the gift to someone else, you will be reminded of the gift for yourself. You will begin to feel the weight on your chest lift. And what is that weight? That is the weight that comes from the pressure to be amazing and to live according to a set of values that are false. You don't have to be amazing. So, don't, so you don't have to defend your amazingness. And you can be free of all the games that surround trying to measure up. And then you can celebrate that you are holy and dearly loved because Christ, who created it all and holds it all together, is in you as a free gift. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great, amazing gift that we have been given. And Lord, I'll just confess myself that, that I struggle with this other set of values that is all around us. This set of values to be thought well of in other people's eyes, to, to hold myself up according to my smarts or my sweat or my stuff. And for other people to look and go, wow, you're something. And Lord, according to kingdom values, all of that doesn't matter. But you have said, because of this gift we have been given, we are holy and dearly loved. And that is much more stable and much more firm and much more reliable than depending on my own amazingness. And so, Lord, would you set us free? Would you help us recognize those times when that kind of behavior hurts relationships and, and helps us try to put ourselves on a, some kind of ladder of position and 
And Lord, remind us that we can extend this same kind of gift to, to other people. That they don't, they don't have to measure up to some level of amazingness for us to extend love and grace. I'm just, I don't know, Lord, this, this truth really is revolutionary. And we wouldn't get it without your revelation. So thank you for showing us in your word um, who we can be in you. In your name we pray. Amen. And now go in that grace and that amazing gift of Christ in you this week. In his name, amen.